Hello, and welcome to Platinum Ranch. I'm Fez Geelan. It's been a year since you last heard from me, and what a year it's been. But we're not going to get into that. Today we're here to laugh and bathe in some bliss and wisdom. Do you like to laugh? I think most of us do, but it comes more naturally for some than others. Like anything, laughter takes practice. I think it's worth practicing because it's fun, feels good, and it's good for our health. Back in the summer, I spoke to Laraji, who is sort of a laughter expert. He's also a musician. He's been making music since the 70s, gained some prominence in 1980 when he and Brian Eno put out a record together called Ambient Number no. 3, Day of Radiance. He's also done some acting. In 1969, he had a role in the cult comedy film Putney Swope, directed by Robert Downey Sr. Laraji still records and performs music today. In addition to his music, he also brings his laughter workshops on tour. I attended one of these in Montreal in 2018. I was a bit nervous about the whole thing and probably a bit guarded at the beginning. But before long, I was on my back genuinely laughing my head off in a room full of people doing the same thing. I learned that you can make the decision to laugh. And once you start, it continues quite naturally. Laraji guided me through a laughter meditation over the phone when we spoke, and I'll share that as a standalone mini-episode that you can find in all the same places that you find episodes of Platinum Ranch. If you decide to listen to that, I hope that you'll join in. And then, if you ever want to be guided in laughter, you can come back to that audio and laugh along with Laraji and me. You're going to hear some of Laraji's music throughout this episode, as well as some other certified Platinum hits. A reminder that all Platinum certification happens in-house here at Platinum Ranch. What you're hearing now is from one of three improvisational piano records that Laraji put out last year. This song is called Prana Light. Following that, you're going to hear from Sly and the Family Stone with Ha Ha He He. Please enjoy.
Welcome. Good evening, good morning, good afternoon. Happy eternity. My name is La Raji. You might be interested to know some of the healing benefits of laughter. They have been medically documented, especially by Dr. Kataria out of India. One, laughter boosts our immune system, heavy laughter, and today the model for heavy laughter is 15 minutes a day. Can you dig that? 15 minutes a day of heavy laughter. Uh, laughter is the shortest distance between two people because boundaries come down, you soften your boundaries, you become vulnerable, and you become open. Also, laughter stimulates the release of hormones, specifically by vibrating pituitary and the pineal gland in the head. Laughter also stimulates the heart, it stimulates the abdominal organs, it opens the lungs and lets the avioli release stagnant and stale air. And heavy laughter also stimulates the endothelia, the lining of our blood vessels, which allows them to soften and uh, allows an increase of blood flow. So all these yummy things happen from heavy laughter. I laugh every day, mainly because I have lots of friends who are familiar with this, and we can get on the phone and crack up with the slightest provocation. Or I tune into uh, Pandora and listen to some of my favorite comedians. And uh, not so much anymore do I need to wake up and invest in a 15-minute laughter release. I do it from time to time, but my day is full of spontaneous laughter, and when I laugh, my body remembers to give myself to it fully. fully. This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. Let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Everywhere I go, I'm gonna let it shine. Everywhere I go, I'm gonna let it shine. Everywhere I go, I'm gonna let it shine. Let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Let it shine. 
That's This Little Light of Mine by Laraji. Let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Well, growing up in a family that very laughable, always laughed with cousins, uncles, and aunts. Um, during uh, college, I invested time in a comedy team for extracurricular just busyness. And the, uh, the idea of getting people to laugh became uh, just one of the joys of my life. And that comedy team was so successful that somebody gave us the suggestion, why don't you go to New York and try out at the bitter end where Bill Cosby got started. And so I did make a journey to New York and tried out at the Bitter End with a stand-up comedy routine. And the encouragement was so strong that I decided to move to New York and invest time in uh, stand-up comedy, showcases, hootenannies, and eventually getting a few tours booked. Uh, but during that time in the late 60s, early 70s, I was doing comedy in uh, nightclubs and uh, cafe houses. And I began to question whether I really wanted a career in comedy of late nights, smoke-filled rooms, waiting to go on in between folk acts. So along comes Rajneesh, Osho Bhagwan Rajneesh. He was a very um, charismatic, stimulating teacher from India who uh, put forth a book on various types of meditation for his students. And one of the meditation suggestions was the practice of laughing in the morning for 15 minutes before getting out of bed. Before opening your eyes, do some stretches with your arms, your body, your legs, keep your eyes closed, and just laugh for 15 minutes. I took that suggestion and tried it and enjoyed it. It took about five minutes to really get into authentic laughter that way. It was forced, it was faked, it was pretentious, but around five minutes, I would connect with something that felt like my authentic laughter. And after 15 minutes, I'd feel vibrated. I, my laughter was on my uh, surface, and I found myself able to laugh and smile easy throughout the day and also to recognize laughing opportunities that were there. Also, I noticed I would laugh sooner and fuller when I was in the theater and I was being amused by something that was funny. I also discovered that I was more present with other people's laughter and supporting other people's laughter and being a connoisseur of laughter in the public places. So after a while of doing this on myself, I began incorporating it in my music workshops at college campuses and New Age conferences as just a short five-minute laughter piece that I'd share in the context of a workshop I was doing called Connecting with the Inner Healer through music. And the laughter part went over so big that eventually it became a workshop on its own. And then along comes this Dr. Kataria and his wife from India who did a research on the medically documented benefits of laughter and put out a sheet of paper actually stating what the connection is between heavy laughter and our healing process. And I found that sheet of paper and I incorporated exercises around it that helped to extend the length of my laughter workshops from um, half an hour to 45 minutes to an hour to an hour and a half and sometimes two hours and sometimes even three hours. So there is the short story of where my laughter got started and how it evolved into the workshops I've been doing up until the lockdown. <laughs> and uh, 
The question comes up, is it appropriate to laugh at this time? And my answer is yes. If it's appropriate to breathe and you want your breath to be open and clear and transparent as possible, laughter is necessary to cleanse the breath, to free the breath from negative psychology, negative emotional spins, and negative mental debris. Laughing often is a way to cleanse and clear the breath so that we can be present and sincerely uh, attentive to what needs to be attended to in our current individual, personal, and public life. This is one of my happiness days So very fleeting are these moments And so what my heart says I will obey This is one of my happiness days This is the way that I feel on my happiness day Contentment just seems to feel everything with her way Oh, what a pleasure it is just to be Eternity's Children with My Happiness Day. I didn't know I was headed toward bliss by my practice because the bliss was not really in my vocabulary. More like groovy, okay, happiness, content. What my path involved learning to be still. And that's a big one, how to be still. And 
my first objective was learning how to sit still for 21 minutes without fidgeting and without any linear thought activity. This required me sitting in an easy chair, doing some deep breathing exercises. Some of us know it as alternate nostril breathing. You can look it up in any yoga manual. Or your own type of breathing of inhaling slowly, holding and exhaling slowly. The object is to get your breathing down to a slower pace where it's comfortable for you to breathe slower. Fast breathing is anxiety breathing, and uh, we want to bring our breath more to a calmer, slower pace naturally. So practice slower breathing. Learning how to sit still required one, mentally taking off every title, classification, and name and reference that has ever been used for me or currently being used toward me. No matter how fancy the titles, no matter how big the titles, no matter how traditional the titles, no matter even how sacred the titles, everything that comes up to I am, and just sit with I am. So you sit with I am. I am not the body. I am not a social security number. I am not my license plate's number. I am not a musician. I am not a Negro, I am not an American, I am not an earth being, I am not a homo sapien, I am not male, I am not a New York citizen. Just slowly peel away every title, everyone, no exceptions. And the object is to be left with, I just am, I am, no titles, no classifications, just pure I am. When we can get to that place, sometimes it would take me 15, 20 minutes to take off all titles. And after the breathing, after the titles, I would notice this unmistakable calm, stillness, which led me to recognize that anxiety, jealousy, fear, doubt, all those lovely things do not belong to me. They belong to the titles. And when I take off all the titles, I leave myself with the stillness, the calm and the serenity, and the bliss of pure I am. That is bliss. Now, you mentioned earlier that bliss is somewhere near. I believe that near is not good enough because you always hear that the end is near, but the now is always present. So it's good to know or to hear that bliss is not only where you are, not only where I am, it's not where the listener is, it is who we are now behind the mask of titles, behind this parade of titles and worldly identity. In the midst sits the pure I am, and without anything attached to the I am, if awareness is immersed in this I am, bliss appears, bliss is realized, and one ceases to ask where is bliss, because bliss is the feeling of no entrapment, no entanglement. Sit with pure I am, with none of these titles, one sits beyond the heaviness and the congestion of the worldly identity. So your head is out of the body, your heart is out of the titles, and your breathing does not carry the agenda of the world identity. And here, 
Bliss is no longer a secret, no longer a mystery. Bliss is our identity. This is Laraji with I Can Only Bliss Out For Days. eternity is bliss. If one does not know this, it is because one is not using the right faculty of perception. It's as if a million dollars was sitting underneath your bed and you are complaining about having not enough money to pay your rent. Fact is you have enough money to pay your rent, but you don't know it because your focus is not in the right place. If your focus were to focus under the bed and notice a million dollars, Wow, I'm going to move. So one could sit 
with their bliss body and not know it for the rest of eternity and complain. Or one could become still using whatever yogic or ingenious strategies to still the conscious awareness. Some use ethnobotanicals, some use yoga breathing, some use jogging, some use music and sound therapy. Some have found their own way in, found their way out of the illusion and found their way back home. We call bliss is our grounding home frequency. If anyone needed to know what are you doing when you get on a spiritual path, a spiritual path is you're looking for your way back home, out of the illusion. And the way back home is non-linear. It's not a path of inches, miles, and light years. It's a path of this moment alone, here and now. Being here now is the way to access bliss. And the way that I have approached it is the way to hurry home is to stop leaving. The way to get to bliss is to stop leaving. To stop leaving. It's who we are right now. And I can hear some thinking mind saying, this person is not grounded, this person's not practical. That's because... They are using the thinking mind to process what they think I'm talking about. You cannot get to bliss through the thinking mind. You cannot get to bliss through the thinking mind. What does this mean? It means you use the mind that is not loaded with thinking. Is that possible? Yes. The pure mind is just I am. It's the mind we return to when we take off all titles, all names, all classifications, no matter how beautiful they are, no matter how hard we work to get them, no matter who an authority has assigned us those titles, the titles must come out. I call them ribbons. You must undo the ribbons, all of the ribbons, no matter how traditional, no matter how beautiful the ribbons, undo those lovely ribbons and open the gift of your pure, undisturbed I am, the abode of your bliss. It's where you are now, doesn't matter where you are, bliss is everywhere, and everywhere that you are, bliss is available. If you're not able to contact it, then you're able to look at your environment and say, what is it about my environment that obstructs my going in? And the object of a spiritual life is to develop an inwardly mobile lifestyle, a lifestyle that encourages one to often, during the course of the day, to drop in, be still, breathe, release all non-essential affirmation from the breath, breathe to relax all non-essential debris from the breath, Breathing clear all non-essential psychological information from the breath so that the breath is open and clear and prana is flowing and carrying the information of our eternalness. So the basic answer to your question is bliss is here and the way to it is to stop leaving and you stop leaving by getting off the vehicles of linear thinking, and you get off that vehicle by disassociating from the titles that are generating those linear thoughts. So there's my case, Fez. Here's the Bee Gees with Children of the World. 
the world Watching every day go by Changes my life, changes your life Keeps us all anticipating ah, ah, ah. We are searchers of the truth Every man's a boy deep down Gotta say it how you mean it meditation practice, self-analysis, concentration, contemplation. And that prepared me to hear subtle inner guidance that comes by way of a communication style that I would simply overlook if my awareness was too busy in the world. So learning how to be still gives me the advantage of hearing you could say voices or guidance or intelligence that I would otherwise ignore or not notice. And it's because of my receptivity to hearing inner guidance while I was in a pawn shop in New York in 1974, pawning a guitar, thinking that I needed money and wanted to get $175 for this guitar 
and the guitar case, and the clerk offered me only $25. Just in that same moment of within 20 seconds, this inner clear voice, it was startling of how infinitely wise the energy in this voice was. I wasn't using the word bliss at the time, but this was a voice that was embracing the bliss body. And it was like a great, great, great cosmic grandparent with so much love and so much wisdom that I couldn't ignore it. And my curiosity came up, wow, how does this voice know I'm here in the pawn shop? How does this voice know that, that that's a zither in the window? And how is this going on? And I wanted to stay connected. I wanted to not leave that experience. And I thought the best way to not, not leave that experience is to follow the guidance that was being given to me in that moment. And so I swapped the guitar for the auto harp in the window, the zither auto harp, and went home and started practicing tuning my favorite open tunings for the guitar into the auto harp. And one thing led to another with guidance. I came upon a style of music that lent itself to my sharing my meditative inner journey through an improvisational sound experience that was otherworldly, exotic, and not of your normal sound hearing experiences. That's The Dance Number 2 by Laraji and Brian Eno. One of the surprises about doing this work is that I don't just contact my bliss, for there is only one ocean of bliss, meaning that when I contact my bliss, I'm consciously aware that I've contacted the ocean of bliss that is everywhere. And therefore, I become attuned to the bliss in everybody. And this helps me as a New Age performance artist, that when I step on stage or step into the recording studio, I'm mindful that the listener is actually a bliss embodiment. And that when I rapport with this bliss where I am, I am rapporting with the bliss that is in every potential listener in the universe, in the world. And so that it helps me to compose and to improvise and to channel music and sounds that are bliss-centric, bliss-friendly, and bliss-supportive. Here's Spread the News Around by Brownie McGee and Sonny Terry. 
It's an experience I had last week, and it's really stayed with me, and now our conversation has made me think of it. Um, You know, we've talked about reasons that people give for not being able to access their bliss. Everyone has hardships, uh, some more than others. So, okay, so for context, it's early June 2020, mid-pandemic. I've been lucky enough to keep a job throughout this, and so I've been working from home. So... One day, I had finished my work, and I needed to uh, decompress. Good word, yes, decompression. It was a beautiful, hot, sunny day, so I uh, left the house and walked to a nearby park.
This is Groovy Kind of Day by the Fatback Band. full of people. I found a tree to sit under, I put my headphones on and I listened to a sort of meditative lecture. As you become love when you walk down the street, everyone is the most beautiful person all over again. You look and appreciate. You may meet another's eyes and you both recognize the love but you don't have to do anything about it. The art form of relationship is to realize that every relationship you are in, every relationship at every moment, is a vehicle for awakening love. And it's up to you. The beloved is everywhere. There was a moment when I was on a lecture tour and I was staying at a funky motel. It was one of those really plastic places. I arrived and I went into my room and I sat down and I was starting to set up my little puja table on the plastic bureau. I was moving the hotel menu and stuff and sitting there and it was kind of depressing. I thought, well, a few more weeks and this tour will be over and I can go home. Then I saw the pain that thought was creating. I got up and I walked out of the room, closed the door and walked down the hall, turned around, came back, unlocked the door and yelled, I'm home. I came in and I sat down and I looked and I thought to myself, you know, I wouldn't particularly have decorated this way, but what the hell. If I am not at home anywhere in the universe, I've got a problem. If I say I can only be home here, but not there, what is home? Home is where the heart is. Home is the quality of presence. It's the quality of being. Home is always here. At some point, I noticed in my periphery a man approaching someone a few yards away from me. Their interaction was very brief, and then the man started walking toward me. He was carrying with him a very small mattress, and as he got closer, I could tell that he was really upset. He came over, and I took my headphones off, and I said hi. And he started crying and said, I need help and nobody wants to help me. I asked him what it was he needed and he just said, uh, just someone to talk to. So he sat down and we talked. Uh, he did most of the talking. He was really distraught. He went in and out of sobbing while 
talking about how humiliated he felt to be homeless and helpless in this park full of people who really wanted nothing to do with him. He said people wouldn't even look at him. He told me about how at one point in his life he had a home, he had a job and a girlfriend, but now he was just too sick to get a job and too poor to get proper help, and COVID-19 had made his situation worse, of course. The homeless shelters here are at capacity, so he either sleeps in makeshift shelters and gymnasiums with many, many other people, or he sleeps outside. Um, he had nowhere to go, and he was just totally down and out. So he talked and I listened, and I think that provided him maybe some comfort, but you know, he needed so much and I couldn't really do much to help him. And he recognized this too. At some point he sort of apologized and said, I know there's nothing you can do. It's, I know it's like you're looking at someone behind bars and you can't free them. And uh, that was exactly what it was like. And uh, so while I'm with him, I'm thinking about the calm that I had just found while listening to that lecture and thinking about the lecture that I'd been listening to and wondered if there was any way to share my calm with him. But I was kind of at a loss and I felt a bit guilty. Um, I think it would have been insulting to try and share that anecdote I heard about, you know, uh, finding a way to feel at home in the universe wherever you are. So, I don't know. Um, I guess my question is, how can we share bliss? Are there ways in which we can spread bliss to, to other people, if we have it? Oh, yes. Well, the first step is to know bliss personally and to be in it hourly. Tap into it. If you step out of it and you say, well, I'm out of bliss, I'll tap in it when I get to the next place where I can sit down and breathe. Bliss breathing, meaning uh, get back to my breath, my open breath, uh, my smile, uh, so that the tone of voice is not anxiety-producing. That's one way we can share bliss with, uh, let's say, a stranger, or uh, a, a stranger-coded bliss. <laughs> that you know in the center of that stranger's bliss. Now, that stranger, we say stranger, may not have the tools to access bliss in the next two hours or next five years because of their diet and their lifestyle. So how do you share bliss? One, your breath is relaxed so that it isn't shouting, it is not condemning. And your knowing bliss, and your smile is a smile of peace, non-condemnation. Eye contact can be one. When you're familiar with your bliss, one exercise one can do is stand in front of a mirror, bathroom mirror, and focus on the third eye, or focus on the left eye, which is, and stare into the image of your presence until you make a mental connect with the invisible consciousness being in the midst of that body. Uh, when you do that, what can come up in the mirror is a transfiguration of the faces. Uh, an advised way to do this spiritually is to have two candles on both sides of the mirror so that you're experiencing this in candle light. And the reason for this is because candlelight predates the involvement of electrical light in this particular earth time. So when you get to the place of making eye contact with this 
yourself and starting to feel comfortable with making eye contact and knowing that you're contacting this still, blissful core, which is invisible and transparent, but your eyes are focusing into the mirror. What you're developing is the ability to focus on the bliss center of people you come in contact with who are either a few feet from you or across the room. And you're learning how to focus on that center and how to speak and to address that particular point of their being. Even though they might be in their worldly identity, our focus is going transcendental or beyond that focus and giving energy to the bliss body. You see, the world that we're talking about helping, we could say they're in their blues body, they're in their pain body, they're in their anxiety body, or they're in their compression body. And what we want to do is give them a temporary relief from that by giving them something that might seem mystical or strange, but our eye focus, our breath focus, is giving them an opportunity to move into the bliss body. Uh, let's take the hard example of the person in the park where you are. Where could they possibly go in the time of their exposure with you? What, what could you possibly do? You could give money, you could tap them on the forehead, you could give them a big hug, you could say, hey, come home with me and use my house. You could uh, say, here's some money, go go to a shelter or go to a hotel. I'll just think of the radical things we could do. You could say, hey, lay down on your mattress here in the park, I'll give you a great massage. Just think of all the wonderful things. How to touch this person and to distract him temporarily from their state of anxiety. Keeping in mind that their level of discipline may or may not allow them to hold on to whatever you offer them. So you cannot alter their discipline in uh, 45 minutes or in a spontaneous meeting. But the things that you can do is you can monitor your face, that your face is offering them a smile, especially in a time when we've taken off the masks from the COVID journey and exposing our faces, bring back the warmth of the smile, especially the smile with the crinkles on the sides of the eyes, bring back the open breath, the breath that has no heaviness, the breath that is decompressed. So a decompressed breath, an open face, a tone of voice that embraces the bliss body. Now, to embrace the bliss body of someone in your presence, technically you don't have to make it personal. The greater work is you walk around in a continual embrace of the omnipresent bliss body. You're continuously radiating bliss, and it's no respecter of persons. In fact, the work is really impersonal. That's why you look past the individual there, and you embrace the universality that is where the individual is. And in your inner work, in your voice, in your smile, the way that you rapport, you are touching the universality that's in your presence. This is Eternity or Bust 
by Laraji. How do you stop from leaving? That's where practice comes in. We cannot argue about this. You can dive into bliss, whether you take some ethnobotanicals or you uh, sit in front of a great teacher whose shakti touches you, and you can feel it momentarily. But how do we make it our own? How do we keep it? How do we stop from leaving that place? And the word is practice, discipline practice. It was easy in my lifestyle to sit for hours from 12 midnight to 5 in the morning because of the lifestyle I was practicing at the time. I wasn't doing a 9 to 5 job. I was doing mostly uh, comedy and music gigs. So I could do that practice. And because the practice impacted the quality of my music and lifestyle, it inspired me to stay in the practice and do the discipline. So what one has to find is inspiration to do this, to practice. Some person, whether it's a celebrity, one was um, Shirley MacLaine. Shirley MacLaine at the time was talking about meditation and how it helped her life. And a few other celebrities at that time. And because of my hearing from them about that, I felt inspired, okay, I'm gonna practice. Another thing that helped me to decide to practice was being smilingly successful as an actor and having a part in the movie called Putney Swope. It was successful as an underground cult film. And it got me thinking, gee, you know, before I go any further into mass media, perhaps I want to just sit down with myself and find out what it is I want my life to represent in the mass media before going any further in films and television and mass media. Before putting my energies out there and representing film, how can I know what is my core? What is it I want to represent? Who am I? And so meditation started to sound like what I needed to do. And Shirley MacLaine's lifestyle at that time was the big push that said, okay, I'm going to find out what meditation is. And it uh, inspired me enough that I got a glimpse of what meditation could do for my life. It showed me how it could expand my creative output. It showed me how I could be more independent of the world's movement of energy, that I could maintain inner clarity, inner calm, inner peace, inner good vibrations in the midst of being in the world where the trade winds are blowing all of which away. And it opened up my life in a new direction. It changed my social life changed my mental life. It altered my sense of how to make a difference in the world. And that essentially is how to bring 
the meditative understanding that I was achieving through the practice into the world. And I learned that I can do it and am doing it through music and sound and laughter and into a conscious and mindful laugh style and a mindful interaction with society. So that's Platinum Ranch, episode 17. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you, Laraji, for talking to me and for your work. I hope you all enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. If you haven't yet, subscribe to Platinum Ranch on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher. Leave a review, tell a friend. All of that would be helpful to me. You're going to be hearing from me again soon. I hope you all take care and stay blissful.